you are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a Tuesday edition of Lockdown Indians. Sorry about the no-show Monday. Just sometimes life gets busy, and we're still trying to figure out the co-hosting situation right now to make it a little less busy. On your main host here, Jeff Ellis, formerly of Scout, 24-7, and just about every Cleveland sports blog imaginable. I want to thank you, by the way, for being your first listen of the day uh, over here on Lockdown Indians. Uh, it really matters and is important to us uh, to you know, to be a part of your life, be a part of your drive and everything else that is going on and be your first listen of the day. That being said, two weeks ago, we were put, you know, sometimes I wonder about these ranking things because I sat there and it had us nearing the top 100 and then this week it had us completely out. So I don't know. Maybe the Indian season has been rough. Maybe they were not the most fun episodes. But uh, either way, I want to thank everyone who is downloading daily. Data shows that like 4% of listeners download every day so if you're one of the ones doing that i really thank you from the bottom of my heart we have a final homestand essentially with the kansas city royals game that occurred as i'm the day i'm recording this before they you know go to face the royals in uh in october to finish things off so and then go to texas uh well i guess all the royals games are technically still september and then three in texas to end it those are all on the road. So we have now finished the season in Cleveland. There will be no more games. And if you're curious why they went crazy doing these makeup games, I kind of have a conspiracy. Can we start with the conspiracy on this? I think early on in the year, they were more willing to call games uh, and do rain delays and kind of push back the season in a way. Uh, and for the same reason, I think that they were like, yes, let's make up all these games. Like how many times in the past have just been, we'll make it up if it matters. But now it all matters because that means ticket sales, it means refunds, it means getting people there to those games, giving more opportunities for people to buy tickets and go to the ballpark. I think this push to get every last home game in, we had like three makeups in the last eight days. I mean, that's crazy. The Indians players just have to feel exhausted. They've been pushed to the brink with all of this is just to get as many games in, to get as many chances to make uh, extra money as possible. I think this is clearly just about finances more than anything else. But let's let's dive into a, a, I don't know if I want to say a big win, but a nice win by the Cleveland Indians, who entering the day were a half game up on Detroit for second place in the Central. Detroit did lose, so now the Indians are a game and a half up. But it, it was getting close there. Let's talk about the interesting fact of this game, that Bradley Zimmer hit a home run off of Kyle Zimmer in the eighth inning. Now, I don't, of course, I closed it out, as I always do. There, This was just the fourth time in the history of Major League Baseball a brother has hit a home run off a brother. And that's interesting enough. But what makes this absolutely crazy is that there's been four, three other times this occurred. This is the fourth time it's happened. Three out of four of these times in the entire history of Major League Baseball have been Indians players involved. And the fourth time was a pair of Ohio-born kiddos, well, adults. I mean, they're, can I call someone a kiddo if they were older than, you know, they're already passed away? But a pair of guys who were born in Ohio, one of which were going to pitch for the Indians. So let's just go in chronological order here. George Stovall uh, was the hitter for Cleveland, hitting a home run off his brother, Jesse Stovall. Uh, that was October 7th of 1904. Then you have Rick Farrell, 
who is, uh, I believe that would be Boston Athletics, hit a home run off of Wes Farrell, the pitcher for Cleveland, on 7-19-1933. So those are definitely old-timey baseball. And you had more brothers back then uh, because it was just a different game, a different era, the way things worked. Uh, so then we don't have another situation of a brother hitting another home run off a brother until 1976, where Joe Negro, when he was with Houston, hit a home run off Phil Negro when he was with Atlanta. Now, Phil Negro and Joe Negro were both born in Ohio, both Ohio kids. And Phil would, uh, about a decade later, I want to say, it was in the 80s when he go, would go on to pitch for the Indians. And then, of course, we had today, which was Bradley Zimmer's home run off of Kyle Zimmer, some brother-on-brother pain. Uh, it's just interesting. I thought that really, first and foremost, you have to you know, go with those numbers because it's, it's really it's crazy. All these opportunities and chances. And yes, it is uncommon for two brothers to even make it to the big leagues. That is at a rare occurrence. It does happen. We're seeing it happen more often now. But it, it's, again, it's a very low percentage. But the fact that you know the craziness of it to me is just that somehow the Indians were involved were in three of those four games, and the you know first one was in 1903. So we're looking at what 118 years, and it's happened four times and three times with the Indians. I know I'm belaboring this point, but it's just it's amazing. It's fun to look at. So let's talk about this final home game, then we'll talk about the White Sox series for the rest of the show. The Indians win this one eight to three. Uh, Cal Quantrill, I almost said Paul. Uh, won't lie there. Six innings, six hits, three earned runs, five strikeouts, no walks. Uh, one of it's crazy, but this is one of his weaker performances over the second half. Six innings, three runs given up is a weak performance for him. Gotta love that. I love the fact they can make that statement. Uh, Trevor Steffen, I still think that he is a part of this team going forward. He's gotten steadily better through the course of the year. And remember, this is a guy who was a Rule Five pick a starter moving to a relief role, getting the jump up to the big leagues. He had a lot thrown at him, and he, I think he's got the goods. Now, you can also say, hey, you're biased because you've thought he's had the goods since he was uh, a JUCO transfer at Arkansas, and you'd be correct in that statement. But I think that just helps my point uh, of why I think he is valuable. Brian Shaw continues to, you know, beat Brian Shaw. I, I'm totally cool with bringing him back. I know I've had my ups and downs with him this year, but I, I don't know what to make of his year. It's been all over the place. Manuel Class A, one inning, one strikeout. Nobody reaches base. ERA down to one three three. Offensively, who reached base twice in this one? Well, Straw had two hits. Ahmed Rosario had four. For that, you have to do a little bit of digging. Bradley Zimmer reached base three times over the course of this one. He had two hits, and he got hit by a pitch. He's gotten hit by a lot of pitches this year. If we were to sit back and dig into it, I bet he leads the team in hit by pitches. Uh, let's see. Uh, Hedges did not, though he had a, a double off uh, Kyle Zimmer. And Ahmed Rosario had a big hit, but did not. So you're, you're reach base twice. It's Straw, it's Rosario, it's Zimmer. Home run-wise, Ahmed Rosario had his 11th. Zimmer had his 8th. And they had a whole mess of doubles. Straw, Rosario, Zimmer, Jimenez, and Hedges. Uh, overall, you look at the box, the Indians had... 10 hits. There was two errors by Kansas City to help them. I think it's a 12. Only one walk and one hit batter. So they got eight runs on 14 opportunities. That is a really high uh, threshold. But when you have eight, or I'm sorry, 10 hits and what, uh, seven of those, yeah, seven of their 10 hits went for extra bases. Uh, that's how you get there. That is 100% how you get there. 
On the other side of things, Kansas City had zero walks, but did have seven hits. To get three runs on those is not bad, especially because they only had, uh, well, half of theirs are extra base hits, but all doubles. Jackson Kowar, one of their young, uh, you know, hope for the future types, was the starter, did not go well. Three stars in this one. Uh, Bradley Zimmer, I mean, he reached base three times, had a home run, and gave us some great historical information. Ahmed Rosario had four hits and a home run as well. Uh, both Zimmer and Rosario also had doubles, so they had uh, half of the extra base hits between the two of them. And then I'm going to give it to Quantrill. Six innings, three runs, five strikeouts. He just continues to excel. Again, this was a bad start for him. A bad start relative to what he has done. That is kind of amazing in and of itself. Uh, what a second half he is having. What a year overall. And, yeah, I just I can't get past the home run thing. It is... It's just a complete oddity, and it's fun, and it's stuff like that that makes baseball so great because there isn't another sport that I can sit there and go back to 1903 about. It, there's not. That is what baseball has over everybody else. There is no other sport where you can sit there and go back that far. I mean, you go back to you know, the Browns, and when they started it, it was, what, the, the 40s, 50s, and that's kind of the beginning of like the football that we know now. Basketball, it's similar. You know, it, Baseball is the only one that... Yes, and the game has definitely changed. Don't get me wrong. It's entirely, there's different eras of change and the game has evolved. But baseball is that only professional game that gives you 100 years plus history with the teams that we know and love. Uh, You know, Cleveland, when they become the Guardians, they'll have been the Guardians, the Indians, the Broncos, the Naps, and the Blues. They'll have had five different names, the one constant, Cleveland. We're going to take a quick commercial break, come back and talk about uh, the Chicago White Sox series. Hey, Indians fans, this is Jeff Ellis with Incredible App. Everyone who buys gas needs to know about GetUpside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use the promo code BASEBALL and get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use the promo code BASEBALL to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out at any time to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card from Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use the promo code BASEBALL to get up to $0.50 cents ca- per gallon cash back. I think I said that wrong. Get up to $0.50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. That's code BASEBALL. It's one of those things. There's a lot of great ways. It's kind of like the couponing of the modern day. Go check it out for yourself. I use it. Now let's talk about this White Sox series, and let's lead off with, to me, what's the important game. That's the Friday. It is the return of Shane Bieber on Friday. First start since June 13th against Seattle. That's right. He was over three months between starts in the big leads. June 13th, a player who won the Triple Crown in, in pitching last year and then missed three months and I believe even on his return, still led the Indians in pitcher war uh, using fan graphs. I'm not sure if it was the same. Because fan graphs and baseball reference, definitely their pitching war is vastly different. And uh, Quantrell has much different ones when you dig between those two. So what does Bieber do uh, in his return? Three innings, three perfect innings. Why not? You know, miss three months, come back and throw three perfect innings. Struck out three in those, and yeah, three, zero hits, zero walks. What a return. Uh, Trevor Steffen, who I know I was just singing his praises, he picks up the loss 
two innings, two hits, three strikeouts. He gave up a solo shot, and that was the game. Uh, In the fifth inning, he gave up a solo shot, and that's all the White Sox needed. Nick Wickren, we've talked about him over the course of the year, and his struggles went one and two-thirds innings. Two hits, struck out two. Anthony Ghost, the recent call-up, goes one and one-third with three strikeouts. Blake Parker, one inning, gives up one hit. The Indians, they out-hit the White Sox. They just couldn't go yard. Uh, They did have one extra base hit. Who reached base twice in this one? We have Rosario and Jose Ramirez. Uh, Unfortunately, zero walks for the Indians. They did not get on base that way. But you know what? The White Sox had zero walks as well. And with zero errors and no hit batters, the White Sox had five opportunities. They got one run. That's, you know, I kind of view it like typically somewhere around 40% or less uh, when I'm doing this in my head. This is not like a, a full stat. This is just something I've always looked at since I went back as a kid. Is kind of like this is my expected run on this many opportunities. Maybe I should sit down and try to hammer it out and see if it's something real. Uh, but the Indians had seven opportunities and get zero runs is unusual. That is not an outcome I see very often. Typically, if you're up to seven opportunities, you get at least one. Two to three makes more sense, honestly. Uh, Hard luck loss, especially because, again, Bieber is perfect. Uh, He is easily one of the three stars in this one. And while it is a loss, it's also a loss that leaves you smiling, right? Just because Bieber's back and he looked really good. Uh, So he gets a star for this one. Uh, You give it to Rosario and Jose Ramirez, who both went two for four. Uh, Their two hits was, you know, it's, what, 60% of the Indians' offense in this one, unfortunately. And, yeah, they lose. Again, I kind of marvel. I I got into it with the White Sox uh, fans, which, again, I I always find it weird because, like, I like the White Sox, but they definitely have, of late, the most confrontational fan base. But I had some great interactions, too. I don't want to, like, leave it like that. I had a... I can't think of the gentleman I was talking with, but, you know, he jumped up to be like, you know, well, they could have sold all their assets for Frazier. And I'm like, and that would have been dumb. And I've often said that like Frazier on this very podcast that uh, Adam Frazier was uh, was fool's gold and that, you know, Cesar was a smart play uh, for all the reasons that you thought Adam Frazier was going to implode. And he did. He thought Cesar would improve and instead he imploded as well. Uh, but yeah, there's there's a big defense. And, and the other interesting thing is just like, how many White Sox fans really just see Nick Madrigal as a almost like a utility player? And that's that's been pretty consistent. He is a guy that that fan base, I've gotten a lot of comments uh, over, I mean, since since I mocked him to them uh, way back in the day about, you know, one tool type and this or that, and that he's just not very good. And we'll see. I still think, you know, Kimbrell in this game was great on Friday, but we'll see the cost uh, if that balances out. But that's... That's the our Friday game. So, you know, this was kind of a fun one. It was an interesting one. I think we'll take our next break. We'll do it a little bit early. We'll come back and discuss the Saturday-Sunday games uh, and what went on as uh, the Indians faced the Chicago White Sox in the very rare five-game series. So let's take a moment and talk about betonline.ag. And remember, right now we have our biggest deal ever with them and our biggest deal just in general which is NFL 100 gives you a 100% match on your first deposit over at betonline.ag. Let's see what the lines look like for tomorrow and while we wait for the site to load. And remind everyone again that the promo code is NFL 100 and that will get you a 100% match on your first deposit over at betonline.ag. So let's see what they think about this Indians matchup against the Kansas City Royals. And unfortunately, it looks like they do not think about it. 
or they think about it so highly that they currently have it off the board. It is not a listed matchup, so we can't discuss that one. So instead, if I go back, I will look at uh, what they're thinking about the Browns matchup this weekend. We'll do some uh, some cross-sport affiliation. We talk about our friends over at betonline.ag. Minnesota is only getting a, a point and a half. That feels... I think I'd bet the under. I think I would predict the Browns to win, uh, even on the road. And, yeah, I, I understand everything going on, but that this is a team's a bit of a mess. If you agree with me, use that promo code NFL100 and get yourself uh, some free money to then go use and gamble on that Browns matchup. In addition, let's talk about Rock Auto. I've talked about it before. I need to buy windshield wipers. I know I've been saying this for a while. Uh, but I, I'm on leave for paternity leave. That means I... Don't go out as much, but if you're like me and you can't do anything with your car, you are kind of a car moron. Rock Auto can still save you money. It'll still save you on filters and windshield wipers and the easy things anyone can fix on their car. Go for yourself and see what they got. There's always rebates and specials and everything else. On top of the fact, you get to pick your brand and you're going to save money. So go to Rock Auto today and make sure in the little how'd you hear about us box, you're going to write locked on, locked on Indians, locked on MLB, some form of locked on let them know that their advertising dollars were well spent. Remember, that is rockauto.com, and make sure you let them know we sent you. So we got some games uh, to discuss. There is the surprising Sunday win with absolutely some pitcher brilliance, and then we've got the Saturday struggles. Let's go into the Saturday struggles. So this is a matchup Lucas Giolito versus Tristan McKenzie. Uh, Giolito was was brilliant, one would say, I think. Uh, McKenzie... They were more, you know, this is what I talked about on the last show. My one concern and worry now is the extremes. So if you missed the episode after his last start, uh, I just said that for a time there, part of the reason he was able to be so successful is because everyone uh, who saw him at the early part of the year, it's like he can't find the zone. Uh, so you, the book was layoff. And then he started to pound the zone early. So all of a sudden the book became, okay, hit it in the zone. McKenzie's stuff, and the reason I've never been like sky high on him, is his stuff didn't really progress through the minors. He wasn't a guy who added velocity, added a pitch. He's kind of roughly the same pitcher he was as a high school player, but with more polish. We all thought he'd fill in and add velocity. It just didn't happen. Uh, he didn't fill in, and he didn't add velocity, but he's still a, a good pitcher. Like I say this, where I still think he is a mid-rotation starter, but right now we're seeing what happens when teams feel like, okay, so now let's start swinging away. Uh, the walks were higher with three. And when I look at his overall pitch mix, uh, he was trying to to keep it out of the zone more, I think. I think he was trying to paint those corners, just wasn't as sharp. On top of the three hits, he also hit sheets, which, I mean, we've talked about before. White Sox fans think there's a conspiracy theory when it comes to beanings. Uh, so I'm sure that went over really well. I was not on Twitter that time. Kenzie had 61 pitches, 37 for strikes. Uh, they've two and a third innings, five hits, three earned, one, three earned runs, three walks, three strikeouts, and the hit batter. Not his strongest performance. Whit Grin comes in. Another inning and two thirds. Uh, strikes out one, does not even reach base. Anthony Ghost has two strikeouts and a hit. Justin Garza, two innings, four hits, one run, one walk, three strikeouts. Logan Allen gets to get some time out there, as did Blake Parker. Both pitched an inning. Parker gave up a run. Allen struck out one and had a hit. Uh, offensively, uh, you know they lost this one five to two. They had ten hits. Uh, Miles Straw had four of the ten. Harold Ramirez had two. 
who else uh, allowed them to reach base twice. That's it, because uh, there was just a one walk. Yu Chen Chang had one. So that's part of the problem when you have uh, two guys getting 60% of your hits. It kind of limits the ability to knock those runs in because it's just the same guys doing it and then not getting the uh, the support, as it were, to hit, drive in more runs. The Indians had 10 hits. One walk takes them up to 11. Uh, one error gives them 12 opportunities. Uh, I don't typically count a wild pitch as an opportunity. So that's 12 opportunities. Two runs is low, honestly, for that. And they had a home run and uh, two doubles. So, you know, to get only one one run across that was not that home run, which I believe was a solo shot, uh, yeah, off Craig Kimbrell, uh, that's a very low opportunity out uh, to run outcome. Uh, on the other side of things, sorry, I had to laugh at Billy Hamilton, still getting playing time for the White Sox. 13 hits, the error gives him 14. Five walks takes them up to 19. A hit batter takes them up to 20. Five runs on 20 opportunities really isn't that good either, but they only had one extra base hit. So 13 hits, 12 singles. That's That's kind of impressive in its own little way. Uh, your stars in this one, you give it to Harold Ramirez, who went two for four and had a home run. You give it to Miles Straw, who went four for five and had a double. Uh, other than that, I mean, I'm, I'm probably going to give it to a reliever when it's all said and done. I think <laughs> I've been rough on him this year, so let's make our third star in this one, Nick Wickren. One and two-thirds innings, does not allow a base runner, gets a strikeout. It's a very limited game to find someone in, so we'll give it to Wickren as the third star in that loss. Now, one would think, with the Indians already having lost a few games, that this Sunday matchup was a very bad matchup. Uh, Lance Lynn has pitched exceptionally well this year. Eli Morgan uh, had been scuffling of late and is very home run prone. Uh, That was not the case. What a performance. Six innings, one hit, one walk, six strikeouts. Sam Henches, who's looked better in the pen, let's be honest. Two innings, one hit, one walk, two strikeouts. Brian Shaw, one inning, one hit. Who reached base twice in this one, top of the lineup doing the damage. Two hits by Straw, two hits by Rosario, two hits by Jose. Uh, they didn't have any walks in this game, so that's that's it. I mean, they only managed eight hits. Those three guys had six of the eight. And because they had no walks, that's almost all of their production happened from those players. And to get six runs is kind of phenomenal. Now, Jose Ramirez hit his 36th. Uh, Andres Jimenez hit his um, fifth. And what's crazy, too, is Jose had one guy on. Jimenez didn't have anybody on. So those home runs yielded three of their six. Uh, they still, to get six runs on eight opportunities, that's, with only two home runs, that's a high outcome. I mean, they, they had really strong performance. This is offensively in this one. And to just be able to beat up on Lance Lynn like they did. After Lynn went out, their bullpen combined for two innings, one hit, zero runs, four strikeouts. They just... They beat up on Lynn. Uh, not something you heard a lot throughout this year. Eli Morgan, definitely one of your three stars in this one. Jose Ramirez with the 36th home run while going two for three. And yeah, it's just that debate. It's like, oh, Hench's Shaw. Yeah, you probably get to Straw or Rosario. Straw had the double, so we'll give him the advantage in this. So Straw, Jose, and Morgan. That's two players of the week, four straw over the course of uh, that weekend series. What uh, what a nice addition, right? Like what a we we have been talking all year about the issues with the Indians and in trying to uh, add outfield help. And I mean, I had a whole show where I discussed how 
Outfield is just a bad situation to figure out in baseball in general. And to get straw for a pitcher that, I mean, I was never the biggest fan of, let's be honest. Anyone who listens know that. I was not sold on Mayton. And a catching prospect who's really a DH, who's old for his level, but has a good batting average. Like, I understand if I was the other team, like, if I was a fan of the Astros, I'd be like, no, he's a good lotto ticket. But at the same time, they traded a really long shot lotto ticket and a, I haven't even seen how Mayton's done for them. Let's, Let's go look that up while we're at it to see if that has worked out well for them. And I love the fact that when I, or not Maton, when I type Maton in, it didn't even pop up right away. I apparently have to add the uh, the space in there. With his partial season with the Astros, uh, his K per nine has dropped pretty dramatically, and his ERA has ballooned. Uh, his and he's one of those guys because his home run rate is is a little bit higher. His FIP, well, no, because his home run rate is low. I'm sorry. So his FIP is is okay, but his XFIP is high because when you normalize it, all of a sudden it makes his a little higher. Uh, but yeah, he's he's just a pitcher I don't know how to uh, quantify, but that's certainly something that I am very happy with that trade. Is there anyone who disagrees and thinks that that is a awful trade? So, uh, you know, I've talked before. Everyone knows Hiram. It's impossible to not know Hiram. Uh, if you're listening, thank you for listening, Hiram. Maybe you can help promote the show. Everyone knows you. Come on, help get behind it. Uh, but Hiram asked me a few questions, and since we have some time, I thought I'd just dig into it on the show. Uh, he wanted to know about Tommy Pham. He's going to be a free agent. Again, for the same reasons, you know, Hiram asked me about Michael Conforto. I just can't see the Indians getting into the free agent market. I know they're going to have more money to spend, but this team just hasn't done that. Uh, the few times they did, it has gone really poorly. And I think they'd be more content to do internal extensions than go out and sign uh, draft picks. Saying that, uh, you know, he likes my idea of training for Dom Smith. I am Dom Smith had a down year. I am all for pouncing on a down Dom. And then he asked me about Cody Bellinger. So I thought I would talk about Cody Bellinger for part of this show. So Cody Bellinger had a one of the worst years of anyone in baseball this year. Let's just be honest about it. If you missed it, he is, I mean, scuffling is not even uh, a correct word for it. He's got a 159 average, 237 on base, 291 slugging, 529 OPS, an OPS plus of 43. This is a player who in 2019 won the MVP, the gold glove, and the silver slugger. Won the rookie of the year as a 21-year-old back in 2017. His OPS pluses were 143, 120, 167. Now in the strike year, it was down to 112, 789 OPS. And then this year, at age 25, he, he just fell off the map. And there's been some talk that they might look to trade Cody Bellinger this offseason. And you might be like, what? Because, uh, yeah, who trades an MVP entering their peak years? Here's the thing with Cody Bellinger. Uh, he's currently on the disabled list. One, two, the Dodgers have a lot of depth, but they also have a lot of players that they have some hard decision, hards, hards decisions to make. Uh, they have some hard decisions to make. Could they bring back Scherzer? Could they offer him a big money contract? Maybe. Chris Taylor, I believe, is finally hitting free agency for them. Who's been, you know, their super utility guy and essentially a starter for them for years and years and years, bouncing throughout the lineup. Uh, as like I said, this he's. Uh, 
age 30, 568 plate appearances, OPS of 111 this year. And he's done that for them every year. Uh, they also have Corey Seager, who's going to hit free agency. The other side of things is like their secondary bench guy behind Taylor is Gavin Lux. Remember when we all wanted Gavin Lux for Francisco Lindor? Man, Lux is having that Nick Senzel, uh, Keston Huara issue where he just hasn't lived up to the hype so far. Hasn't been able to put together and force himself into that starting lineup. That's hard with the Dodgers to begin with, but he's been given opportunities and he's been closer to league average than great. So with this Dodgers team, uh, if they let, they're going to have to let someone go. You know, it's do you try to bring back Taylor? Do you let Taylor go? Do you try to bring back Scherzer? When you have a Cody Bellinger who has won an MVP and a Rookie of the Year and is making $16 million and coming off one of the worst seasons in all of baseball, and he's only got two years of team control left, and his arbitration costs are going to be ginormous. Like, he's $16 million last year. It's probably going to be closer to twenty. It'll go up even though he had a bad year mainly go up a little but it always goes up and never goes down so yeah there's going to be a degree of the Dodgers wanting to trade him and save some money let's go over and see trade value site hasn't been updated in a while and it is as always it's fun to look at and it's fun just to get another opinion but it's not perfect so let's see if what how they view his value so they value him at 10.2 wins for the last two years of his contract that put him between on the Indians Josh Naylor and Andres Jimenez in terms of value Bellinger is interesting, and I'll give Hiram credit in that regard. Like, I just kind of tended to look past him because he's a big name. But when he had that bad of a year, this is already a Dodgers team that has a lot of outfield options and has a lot of hard decisions to make. Uh, Yeah, they could consider trading him. Now, I don't know if the, you know, we do know the Indians liked him before. They did make attempts to get him when he was still a prospect. Trying to remember who they were trading out of town. Uh, if it was like a Bauer or Cooper deal, you know, proposed back in the day where they were hoping to get Bellinger, I feel like Bauer would have been too late. The guy was already a star by that point in time. But there were some attempts. And, you know, he's probably only going to be about, I think, max about $18 million next year. That's still a lot. That'd be more than anybody on the Indians. Uh, but if they have a new minority ownership, they have a little bit more money to spend, you, one could make the argument that he is exactly what the Indians love. He is a distressed asset. And if you get Cody Bellinger and he has a Cody Bellinger-esque year, uh, he will be more valuable as a one-year rental than he is right now with the two years uh, coming off of what he has come off of. So there is a chance that if you can afford to add that much salary, by the way, he could play any spot in the outfield. You know, He is the Dodgers center fielder for a while, uh, left field, right field, whatever. You put him out there. There is a chance you trade for him and he's just poop for the next two years that he... Well, I've had the weirdest peak ever and peaked at age 24. Uh, it's probably not going to happen, but it could. But there's also the chance, too, that if, if he rebounds, then you can be like, okay, that was one off year. And I'm, they're not going to be able to give him an extension if he rebounds, but uh, they could look, they could get more in a trade at the end of next season for him approaching free agency then uh, the Dodgers likely could get for him now, which maybe the Dodgers want to keep him. But again, they have some hard financial situations to go through. I don't think that's necessarily what Hiram was thinking when he asked me the question. That's just how I took and uh, chose to apply it. Let me know what you think. As always, hit me up on my Twitter, at Draft. I want to thank everyone who listens, to those who download daily, uh, off of my cap. Uh, remember to rate and review. That really helps shows like mine 
here. Uh, and as always, thank you to all the listeners. You are fantastic and awesome, and I appreciate all you do. For the next seven games, go in, go Tribe, and after that, go, go Guardians, go.